I start my week with Macca on a Sunday morning. Good on you. That's the story. That was Pete last week, and it was funny. Um, I'm like the lady. That, remember the lady rang Kel and she said um, she was living in the city and she's from the territory. And she said every time when I see a truck with, or a four-wheel drive with a territory number, I try and pull them over and talk to them just to get, have a slice of the territory. Well, I was stopped at the lights and I saw this big Titec truck with the big the big tyres, and in the cab. With Dad, I assume, was uh, was a little kid because it was school holidays time. So he was going, and I thought, what a great gig that would be for the kid, sitting up in the front of this big rig with the big tyres on the back. Good morning, how are you? Wherever you are, lots of things happening. Lots of people are flying back into Australia, even as we speak today, from overseas, coming back to see it. And isn't it exciting to get to meet the family after absence overseas? Um, speaking of tyres and roads... Um, I'm reminded of what the bloke told me in Mackay when we did our program up there. Which we haven't been. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to get in the road. We're in Mackay and this bloke said to me, Mac, he said, uh, you can always tell when a place is going ahead, you know? And I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He says, they do roadworks at night. <laughs> and where I live, that's what's happening all the time. I mean, the whole place is being just, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Um, I live in Sydney. And it's just unbelievable. Road talk, road works at night. Give me a break. That's what he said. He said. And the other thing he said too is just uh, here in Mackay, Mecca, cars are cheaper. I said, oh really? He said, yeah. He said they don't have brake lights or indicators, um, which I think was a he was having a go at the uh, the local drivers. Um, on the program this morning, we'll continue to talk with Ross McMullen about Pompey Elliot, and it's about letters, letters home, and um, some of them were love letters. Um, between they, his wife and he had a no secrets pact, so their letters were full of you know, plain shooting, and that's how we get an idea of what happened in the war, and certainly from Pompey Elliott's point of view. So uh, more of that, um, and uh, well, lots of lovely, lovely bits and pieces this morning. Our number this morning is thirteen hundred seven hundred triple two. Just some of the uh, correspondence this morning. This is from James. James. Parrot, he says, my name's James, and I've listened since I was a young boy. Every week I listen, people call in with interesting stories in that most times I can totally relate to, but the thought, after 30 years, it's my time. I currently work over in Mongolia and had the absolute pleasure of being able to attend the Anzac Dawn service, which was held in the Shojin Lama Temple Gardens, Ulaanbaatar, capital of Mongolia. Upon arrival, I was given a order of service pamphlet and a small poppy flower. There was a group of approximately 60 people of mixed nationalities and eight different countries donated wreaths of flowers and a member of the Mongolian Armed Forces played nearly perfect the last post. Excited and proud to have attended a dawn service in Mongolia. Uh, Thanks, Maka, for the years. We'll be listening to you on Sunday in the South Gobi Desert. G'day, this is Maka. Hi, Maka. G'day. This is this is um, Nikki here. How are you? Good, thanks, Nikki. What are you doing? Um, I'm just on a little road trip from bringing my car down to Sydney from the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. and just talking about Anzac Day. I was fortunate enough to march in my first Anzac parade this year, um, as I just joined the Navy at 50. So that was quite an experience. Wow! And how come, mm-hmm. how did that happen, Nikki? 
Oh, just um, I heard that they hire up to fifty-four, and I wasn't liking my job, so I thought I it would be an interesting career. So I um, got fit, got my fitness up, and applied, and um, yeah, joined the navy. So I've just not long finished my military or sailor training down at Cerberus, and um, now I'm doing. I'm at HMAS Penguin at Sydney doing ten weeks training. So while um, while I was there, I was fortunate enough to do my first Anzac march, which was a really good well, experience. See, if people are listening, you your life begins at they say didn't they say life begins at forty or was it thirty? Life begins at exactly 40. fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but no, but it can can it can um, begin at any time, Nikki. Really can't it? I mean, you're, that's is. a great example for people. I mean, you can yes, I think yeah, that's... Thinking, my uncle um, actually had his first book published, it, and he was, I think, nearly seventy-eight. So <laughs> <laughs> you're never too old. No, well, know, exactly. Keep... Well, probably sometimes you are too old. Depends what you yes, for some true. things, but yeah. yeah, you can change career. I think that's a lovely thing to do, and it's it must be inspirational. You know, you don't know what's in front of you. You know, you, oh, who knows? It's wonderful. I was on Sydney Harbour yesterday, mm. or a couple of days ago, and I had to pinch myself, thinking, "Wow, I'm getting paid for this." and all the new experiences and um, and things that happen wonderful. to you, yeah, things that happen to you are just uh, serendipitous, you know. Really, um, mm. it's really a matter of luck, and just uh, somebody might mention something to you, and you yeah, know, uh, um, oh, well, have you thought about this? Or that's cause, correct. Because often mm. at school you don't think about, you know, there's lots of jobs that you wouldn't even think about. When I was going to school, you didn't think about being a journalist or anything like that. You, I don't know what you mm. thought about, but um, you know, I, I wanted to play cricket for Australia, but that was about all I'd. Had in me little head, you know. Um, but as for a job, um, but there's so many things, Nikki. Who knows what you'll be doing? That's right. And there's so many um, different jobs in the defence force. Like for anyone out there who's not happy in their career, you know, you're never too old. And there's so many different jobs. Um, I'll be um, a hydrographic survey out of Cairns, so you know, I'll be out on the water. And how exciting! It's, it's uh, wonderful. Yeah, what? the kids have all left home and doing their own <laughs> thing. So now it's time for me to spread my wings and. Try something new. Yeah, good on you, Nikki. Now you're at, where are you this morning? Um, probably half an hour south of Woodburn. Oh yeah, no, so well, I'm about two hours into my trip, so I'll be having a few coffees today and make it through to Sydney. Yeah, well, what, what, what else do Australians do in the morning, Nikki? But drink coffee. That's what it is. And listen to Macca on Sunday. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think that's uh, really exciting, Nikki. No, I was just going to ask you, how's your um. How's your relationship with seasickness? Because um, well, actually, I haven't been out at sea. Yet. <laughs> I don't think being out on Sydney Harbour for an hour or two really counts. So no, no, we'll, probably doesn't. We will see. I don't know. Oh, you'll be right. I talked to a yeah. bloke once uh, who was uh, driving a bar. He used to drive. <laughs> he used to do a barge trip across Bass Strait, and that was his. Wow. It was and carrying goods and services. And he said, "I got." He said, "I got seasick once." And he mm. said, and I said to myself, "That's it. I'm never getting it, get seasick again." And he didn't, and he hasn't. And he, well, so all you have to do is just tell yourself. Well, I think, yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. It's easier said than done. I, I'd suspect mm. with uh, seasickness, but um, I have heard you do kind of. You don't, you know, you just build up a resistance to it or something, and so I might have it at first, but it'll only be at the beginning of my career. And, then I should be right anyway. Yeah. All right, Nikki. That's a great story. Uh, good luck. Keep in touch. Um, ring us from the Middle East when you're over there on assignment. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Maka. Good on you, Nikki.
Bye. See ya. G'day, Macca. This is Martin. Hello, Martin. I'm uh, from uh, down Wattlebank in uh, South Gibbsland. We we spoke earlier in the year. We uh, bought, let, uh, sold our apartment in two bedroom apartment in uh, Sydney and moved down to uh, ten acres down in in uh, in Victoria. And um, yeah, I, I was just phoning up to say hello. And uh, we've just harvested our our first year of chestnuts. Uh, which uh, which we've got on the property, which is a bit of a learning curve. Those things hurt when you harvest them. <laughs> Tell me why. What? They're very spiky. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I made the rookie mistake when uh, when before we bought the place of going in. Gosh, these nuts look good. I'm picking one up with my bare hands. I shan't do that again. But um, my I wanted to say my my wife. It's I've just recently had a birthday and and. For my birthday, my uh, my city wife decided it was a great idea and bought me a, a grey Ferguson tractor. Well, uh, uh, a classic, uh, Martin, an yep. absolute classic. Yep, and uh, it came with a plough, and not having ploughed a paddock before it, we thought, hey, we should go and plough a paddock. So uh, we did that during the week, and boy, is that fun. Martin, I'm just interested. Um, uh, earlier this morning, we had a call from Nikki. And uh, she's on her way to um, to Sydney from the Gold Coast. Uh, but um, at the age of ripe old age of fifty, she's changed her career. She's joined the navy. Um, she didn't like a job, and and she's yes had complete change of life. And Martin, why do you why do you sell a two bedroom apartment in Sydney and go chestnutting? Have you live in Sydney, Master? I don't think I, <laughs> I think I need to tell you why you get out of Sydney, um, but. Uh, look, I, in fact, I'm in the car now driving to Melbourne Airport to uh, to fly to Sydney for work. Um, and I'm in Sydney for a couple of days and I fly to Perth. So I, I kind of fly in and out from home. And uh, when I'm home, I get stuck in on, and try and keep the place in order. But it's, you know, like it, it, it is, it's it's a lifestyle change. And I'm, I'm 55. And uh, I think we just sort of said, you know, what do we want to do? In our, in our golden years, and uh, uh, oh, is that what they are? So we, golden I've years, right? Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, keep talking. Yeah, so we um, so yeah, so we decided to do that, and um, you know, it's a, it's. I think one thing I think people have to to realise, and it was funny. I went to a, a family reunion in New Zealand at Christmas time, and a, and a cousin, a, a bunch of old cousins, and I were walking up in the bush, and we're going. There's something you have to realise that, you know, most of us have only got, you know, we sort of at about 75, we start to start to break down a bit. And, and when you look at 55, that he said, you know, you've got to count how many summers have you got left in you? And, uh, and he said, you know, in my case, I've probably got 20 left. And so I guess you've got to make the most of it when you can and just get stuck in and do as much as you can in that time. Yeah, no, Sydney, yo, it's cra- it, it really is crazy. I mean, you know, they're building these apartments. Where we live, we were just getting built in, slowly getting built in by more and more apartments. And, uh, you know, like it's, I think it's, it's sad that we're, we're you know, I, a friend of mine has one of these apartments and I don't think anybody knows who their neighbours are anymore. No, and uh, see, for instance, where I live... Um, a lot of places have been sold and um, um, renters go in because often they can't afford the houses because the houses are, you know, every house is over a million dollars and not many people can afford that, so they rent. So, 
and not all renters, but people who rent don't have a connection to the place. When I was a little boy, everybody lived there, was paying off a house, and I suppose you felt part of that little community. We all lived in, you know, Smith Street or wherever it was, and we all, you know, we were Smith Street residents, and we all lived there. But but now a lot of people have moved in, and but they're only renting because probably they can't afford, they don't want to, or I don't know. But that changes the um, the landscape too, Martin. Yeah, definitely. And look, one of the things I've, I've noticed about having moved to the country, and I've only been uh, in, in Wattlebank for six months, but you know, we've got Inverloch and Wonsaggy, and, and I can now walk down the street in, in any of those places and run into somebody that I know and, and get a good morning and hello and how are you? Yeah, they say and there's I, that new, that's a new bloke, Martin, who picks up uh, chestnuts and, and um, yeah, hurts his hands. No, no, no. Apparently, I overdressed for the country. Apparently, allegedly. <laughs> well, there's nothing ever wrong with overdressing, Martin. No, I agree. I think. <laughs> Talk a, to my a, sister. A, a, that's right. I think a nice vest and a tie is very appropriate for country. Exactly. Exactly. Well, of course. All right, um, Martin. So, yeah. ha- how's your your harvest? Is good now. You'll sell those chestnuts, will you? Or? Well, look, the wife who's uh, she's head of sales and marketing. She's doing it. She's been doing a great job at that. And we, in fact, we swapped uh, two kilos of chestnuts for uh, for some beautiful apples yesterday. So that was a that was a good swap. But yeah, people pull up at the farm gate and grab some, and we've um, managed to get some into a couple of little local stores. And and even a Melbourne restaurant decided they wanted some. So we were. We're pretty happy about that. And when you're swapping things like that, that's called barter, um, and and that's very big now too. Apparently, look, it's and it's great, and it's and it's also a great way to meet people exactly. because you know you're swapping over, and you know, look, I think rural communities nowadays. And in fact, I was at Farm World uh, down in Victoria the other weekend, and uh, I know I spoke to a whole lot of um, people there that that are community groups. Um, that are that are starting these little cooperatives and and bringing all their veggies and local produce into a into the cooperative and then sending them out as veggie boxes to to people and I think it's an awesome idea. Uh, uh, Martin, it's a it's a food for thought for everybody. As I said, Nikki's uh, just joined the navy at the age of fifty. You'll you'll be a a mogul probably. You know, you'll be a a real nut job in um in five or ten years, Martin. You'll be Mr. Nuts. Well, I'm I'm hoping absolutely maybe Mr. Hops. I grew hops this year and and got a nice little harvest of hops, which I'm hoping to brew up next weekend. Send us a photo of you and your Massey Ferguson with a handful of nuts. She'll do that. Good on you, Martin. See ya. See you, mate. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hi, g'day, mate. It's Rod Pierce here. Um, I'm just saying I'm heading back to your peninsula. I'm a a doctor over there and... um, but our family's been on York Peninsula since the 1870s, so just heading back, let's say you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy, so I continue working over there. Uh, on the on the York, York Peninsula, you said, uh, Rod? Yeah, over at Maitland, we've got, I've got a practice there, but we've also got property over there. Uh-huh. We've just, just had a... Um, we've got a few problems with mice, but... Uh, really? Working on different techniques to get rid of it, because the new farming techniques, you don't rip up there. Um, their uh, sort of base as much and so it's hard to actually get rid of them so there's always seems to be a bit of foliage and uh, grain around so big problem with that So what, what, are, you, what are your plans to, to do that? Well that, um, 
uh, everyone's talking about different techniques. Some people about one-off drilling where they just go down and rip up the ground one-off, and that's not a sort of conventional um, work farming techniques now because it's sort of single drill. You leave a lot of the stuff there so you don't break it up. A lot of baiting, but that's a big problem every year when you're just putting out bait all the time. So you hope you get a cold spell or get the rain at the right time to wipe them out, but it doesn't seem to kill them off like it used to be. So we used to get a plague, and then every ten years or something, now they seem to just be hanging around. So you, um, you're a GP, is that right, uh, Rod? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I've been in general practitioner about as long as you've been on the radio. So I've been uh, uh, just over thirty years, but I've also got interest in immunisation. So I've been doing some work in town with the meningitis vaccine and the flu vaccines, and just come back from Japan where they're looking at meningitis vaccines uh, as well. So I do that, but we've got to practice on the peninsula and we look after a public hospital there so we're uh, looking after all commerce 24 hours a day. It's quite funny isn't it that when you were when I was a kid certainly we got uh, we were immunized just uh, routinely if we had to have a um, a diphtheria injection or a polio injection we just got it and there was nothing but now you know, every time you you're inundated with emails about all sorts of things and um uh, the, all the doctors I've talked to, and I assume including you, would just say it's it's um, a no-brainer. Yeah, the, um, the flu vaccine uh, stumped us a little bit last year because we had the wrong strain and we had to, didn't have the stronger vaccine for the elderly people. This year we've changed the strain and we've got a stronger vaccine that Australia's led the way with um, uh, more potent vaccines, 65 pluses. So we reckon we've nailed it this year. So all the concerns about um, not working, all the concerns about um, having it later, uh, we've been able to put to rest because the, uh, the vaccine's good. It's uh, changed the strain. It's uh, more potent than we had. So the people that were left a little bit vulnerable last year uh, isn't going to be a problem. And there's a big uh, change in meningitis around Australia in the last three years, gone from almost wiped it out since our vaccine program in 2003 to... Um, having a resurgence of W and in South Australia where we are we've got a bit of uh, meningitis B that's a challenge for us so they've just announced a working party that I'm on um, with the state government to look at uh, what we're going to do with men B so that, that's a challenge for us but um, the vaccines are good Australia leads the world and everyone looks to us because of how we've um, got high numbers good vaccines and a government that's very proactive at a state and federal level to actually um, keep this sort of stuff under control so we're doing a fantastic job in Australia with that. Dr Rod, is that what you were in Japan for? Yeah, with, with the meningitis vaccine we're looking at. Because um, uh, they've got the Olympics coming up and uh, world rugby, and so they're talking about what risk they'll be uh, uh, for uh, um, whether meningitis will spread through there, and they're talking about their vaccine programs there, which is not as good. They've also had a terrible... Um, uh, cervical cancer vaccine program because it got wiped out by social media and it's not a very high uptake. Whereas Australia um, has a very a good relationship with its community and um, a lot of support from our community and a very uh, accepting of, of the advice on the vaccines. And we've got some of the best stuff in the world here, so we should be proud of it. Dr Rod, you're at Port Wakefield this morning, is that right? Where you're coming just from? come through Port Wakefield, yeah, on the way out, driving over from Adelaide, went to the footy, watched the Crows last night, driving back to Maitland. So um, it's, uh, the sun's shining, it's a beautiful day, but it's cold. It's fog all the way through the Adelaide Plain. It's just sitting very low. There's, uh, um, driving through there, there's a tinge of green because we had some rain a week or so ago. I was going to but ask you that. Uh, yeah, just, uh, um, just enough to everything to stick its head through. And it mm. kind of, 
you don't really want too much to get weeds, but on the other hand, you're trying to um, just keep the moisture in the ground. So um, just on the cusp of uh, will it be or won't it be in dry year last year, could uh, be a couple of years ago. So just wait and see, I guess. Yeah, well, Western, I was going to ask you that because I know uh, farmers in Western New South Wales certainly are, are very dry and um, I suppose it's nice to have um, yeah, sympathy from other parts of Australia when uh, yeah, we're going yeah. through the same sort of thing. But, um, yeah, they're very dry there, or a third of New South Wales, I think. And uh, Yeah, I just heard that. It's, um, um, but here we, we had two years ago and it was fantastic. You're really wet, one of the worst. And then last year it just got so dry and everything finished off early. We're looking for a really good season and it just... Um, weather just cuts out and then it's suddenly dry and then you sort of um, scrape up what you can. Usually pretty good through the peninsula, usually fairly good. What, what uh, do you grow, barley or canola or wheat? Or? It's changed a lot. People changing every year. Some people playing in the futures market. Um, so you really make an assessment about this time of the year what's going to be the best. Um, there's, uh, if they've had a bad season in the northern hemisphere, you put in uh, maybe a bit of extra wheat. Otherwise you can grow uh, uh, legumes or a bit of canola grown around, beautiful yellow display when it's on. So um, people change a bit um, and you get the opportunity in, the, in um, open country to just make a decision every year and plant what you, what you want and, and play it a bit differently depending on what you need, what the crop needs, what the ground needs, uh, all that sort of stuff. So change it a bit. Dr Rod, great to talk to you. Keep in touch with us, please, um, and great cool. to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for your program, mate. It's a pleasure. Bye. The tree lopper came to my place the other day. Next doors wanted overhanging branches lopped, etc. But it seems to have ended quite well, really. Not too much carnage to the trees and the gardens and the chance to meet a good young bloke who'll share with us a story about travel, uh, ringtail possums, intercity rivalries and more. Come and meet him. I'm talking to Aaron Escali, and he's just come down, I don't know, how far. it's a long way up that tree, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, 22 metres. Yeah, 22 metres, yeah. Tell me, where's that accent from, Aaron? This accent is a Geordie accent from Newcastle, England. And how long have you been in Australia? Two and a half weeks, but I've previously spent a year here, and that was two years ago. So I'm back to visit some friends and do a bit of work. A climbing trees. I wouldn't think there'd be a lot of big 60, 100-foot trees yeah. in Newcastle-on-Tyne, would there? <laughs> no, yeah, you're right, there's not. It's a total different um, different ball game over here. The trees are a lot bigger and a lot like wider. Did you do this sort of work in, in Newcastle? Yeah, I did. I did it in Europe. Or is it Newcastle? New, uh, Newcastle, yeah. I did it in England, Germany, and been in Sweden as well. And the trees just don't compare. You know, it's, it's just another level. They're so different, and it takes a different climber, I think. And especially with the climate, it's, it's really intense. But you get used to anything, I think. Uh, so I'm still getting used to it. I suppose you're mostly cutting down gum trees, are you, and things? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of gum trees, and they're, they're the biggest ones. And they're the, the smoothest. I mean, they're beautiful trees. It's a real honour to climb them. But it can be a frustrating as well because they're so spready. And there's, you know, it might be like five metres between a little branch. So you have to, like, swing over. And it's quite challenging, but it, yeah, it improves your, your climbing ability. So... So how did you get into this gig, Aaron? Um, oh, I've not been doing it for, for so long. I've probably been doing it about six years. Just dissatisfaction with other j- previous jobs. And What did you do? What were you thinking? Oh, Care work, telephone work, retail work, bits and pieces. But yeah, my passion was with the natural environment, using my body, using my hands, being outdoors. So this seemed perfect. Um, a bit of a contradiction because I love trees, and yet here we are cutting them. But yeah, 
life's full of paradoxes eh? so <laughs> <laughs> so is there any plans to move to australia or it's just a- it's just so far away you know i've got my family my mother i've got to be a, a bit a bit closer i mean i did attempt to do a 457 visa a year ago but that didn't work didn't fulfill the criteria so I kind of gave up on that and yeah, I'm kind of over it now a little bit. But I wouldn't rule it out. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I feel like the longer I'm going to be here for the next few weeks, the more I'll just want to stay. But at the moment, I'm quite content to be in Europe. And dangerous up there? Not so much when you're climbing, but you know, it, it's difficult. it is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. You're using a, a chainsaw at heights and uh, big, big wood. It, you're not, not sure how it reacts. You need, you need to have adequate experience. Once you have that experience and you're competent, there's not so many accidents, I'd say. I'd say they happen when you're fatigued and you might make a mistake or if you're inexperienced and pressured into some work. But yeah, there's always a way, safety first, if, even if it means a bit slower, but it is dangerous. And in Australia, you have all those, you know, bees and stuff. You know, imagine getting attacked at the top of a tree. How you, you know, you have to come down fast and, oh. So you've been attacked by bees, have I've not, I've known people who have and it's, it's a frightening experience. So I hope that doesn't happen this time. <laughs> but yeah, we saw a possum today in the tree, which was nice. Um, and it managed to escape, which is even better. So, yeah. It's a little ringtail. A little ringtail, yeah. Yeah, and he's still got a home, which is good. Yeah. All right, Aaron, how's your football team going? They're still, they're still up there. They're, they're mid, yeah, they're, they're above mid-table, I think. Yeah, I'm not really a big soccer fan, but really, um, yeah. I know it's unusual, I suppose. Keep your voice down, especially in England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, I love, I love it when they're doing well because the, the whole city thrives, and it's great being in the city when, when, the, when it's match day and they're winning. It's like it's unusual in that the stadium is right in the centre of the city. So there's a great buzz and um, oh yeah, and I know how how much it means to a lot of people in Newcastle. So I, I support them, but I don't get engrossed in it, and I don't hate Mackhams, which is unusual for a Geordie. Like you know the, the rivalry. What's, what's Mackhams? Mackhams uh, a person from Sunderland, yeah. and you have this rivalry between Newcastle and uh, Sunderland, the Geordies versus the Mackhams, and it gets pretty heated. And it all stems from football, soccer. It's a bit silly, really. Aaron, great to meet you. Good yeah. luck. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Take care. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, g'day, Macca. Um, this is Evan here calling from Baroda in India. Um, g'day, Evan. Just, what are you, uh, are you going? Um, yeah, I've just managed to uh, pick you up again on uh, on the net, so uh, a good uh, a good taste of home uh, never goes astray. Exactly. What are you doing in Baroda, Evan? Uh, well, I've, uh, I'm just in transit. I've been, uh, for the last couple of weeks, at a place called Da Hedge, which... That's uh, easy for you to say. Yeah. yeah what, but, uh, what's it called? Uh, Daesh. It's yeah, yeah. It's a special economic zone in uh, in Gujarat and uh, some of the biggest uh, factories uh, in the world there. In fact, uh, there's the place I've been at. Uh, Peter Beattie, a former uh, Queensland premier, would uh, would find it like home because it's the biggest Teflon maker. <laughs> Uh, in the world, so uh, I'm sure he has uh, fond uh, connections with that place. <laughs> Evan, what do you? What's your strength, Evan? What do you do? Sort of. Uh, I'm uh, I'm uh, way back uh, electrical engineer, but uh, I uh, work in industrial process control and safety. <laughs> I'm just thinking that's all right, Evan. It's um, it's all right. <laughs> so, Evan, you spend much time, um, you know, in India and places like that. A few years ago, I worked all over Southeast Asia. I just I got a call from a uh, former um, uh, director of an Indian company who uh, asked if I'd come over and help them out with some uh, some work. So uh, it's an interesting place. When you talk about uh, Jack Bram and car racing, uh, you, it's just got to be seen to be believed uh, because road race is not happening over here. 
because if you did, if you if you were risky enough to get out of your vehicle, you'd be knocked over or another one coming through straight beside you. Mm. Um, but um, I've never seen the uh, such great ability uh, to. They'll fit a motorcycle where an octopus wouldn't get its tentacle uh, on the road. So wow. And yet, and yet there doesn't seem to be. Uh, certainly in the cities, I think everything travels far too slowly for um, you know for the high power collision or high energy collision. So mm. uh, yes, it's 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 a very fascinating place and. People talk about China, but my uh, my sense is, and I've spent some time in China, is that the real, uh, I think, the sleeping giant is is all of the industries that's happening in India, because they really spend a, an enormous amount of money on their education, particularly science and engineering. Mm. Um, and they're very important too. Well, I think a general education is the best. I mean, certainly if you want to be an engineer and that's, that's your, your bent. But, but I look back on my education and I think the best parts of it are, are learning about all sorts of stuff, learning, studying French and doing a bit of ancient history and doing economics and the things I missed out on are geology and geography and all those sort of things. But um, you can, you, I think they're important too, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I learned most about uh, human relations when I uh, spent time uh, working in meatworks uh, near, near Rocky, where I lived. Mm. Um, so you, you learn more about people there than you do in these uh, MBA programs. Yeah, and so, that, uh, there was somebody talking because uh, I read avidly, but I don't remember half of it. <laughs> but there was something the other day about uh, education, getting kids to learn, and it was talking about knowledge, but. But this bloke said that knowledge really is, um, you know, living in a family where people talk about everything. And so you learn a little bit. And as you say, working in a factory, that's where I learn about life too, putting um, lawnmowers together and, and working in a wool store and uh, working in a shearing shed and stuff like that. You really learn because life really, apart from engineering or whatever, it's really about human relations isn't it? and how you deal with people. Oh, the whole, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, what we uh, talk to a lot of people, managers about is all there is to manage is a conversation. And uh, so if you can, if you understand how to converse and listen, uh, then uh, you, you, <clears throat> you don't expect people to listen to you until you listen to them. Mm. Anyway, I just want uh, <laughs> to uh, say a quick call to everybody, uh, Twin Waters on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the, I think our Lions Club's uh, doing the parking at the local markets this morning, so... Uh, and um, and you'll wish you were there, Evan. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there soon, uh, maybe on the 5.30 shift, and a, and a, and a hello to my uh, darling wife and uh, kids, uh, some in Roma, some up in uh, North Queensland, so... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to get a, a little bit of Australia and uh, on the net when uh, when I'm listening to you well, and, and all those uh, fellows around Australia. Australians are all over the place, even like you in Baroda. That's for sure. No place like home, but good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, righto. Good on you, Maga. Have a good day. See ya. Bye. See ya. Have... Yeah, morning, mate. My name's Rod. Good day, Rod. Yeah, mate. I'm working up here at Weeper, North Queensland. Uh-huh. And we had a dawn service for Anzac Day the other day, and um, we never had a bugler, and we had a lovely lady play the violin. Oh, she played the last post on the violin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. how good would that? Did you record it? No. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to, That would have been great. 
Uh, yeah, I thought it wouldn't be real good, but it was unbelievable. Well, of course, of course. It would be, I mean, the whole poignancy of the whole deal. There's no, because that's happened before, you know. The, uh, a bloke rang me one morning, said the bugler didn't turn up. I don't know what they did. I don't think they did anything. But, um, yeah, no, it was in parks, I think it was, years ago, well, like 20 years ago, and the bugler didn't turn up, and they had, I don't know what they did. They might have yeah. they might have whistled it or hummed it. I'm not sure, Roddy. So what was <laughs> <laughs> what what was the um, your um, Anzac Day service like? And would have been that was a great way to start it, I think. Yeah, well, we live in the camp here on the job, and mm. uh, yeah, they put on a, a, a extremely good show because mm. we got a, quite a few Kiwis that work here as well. So a lot of it was done in two languages. Oh, that's good. And they played. Uh, I don't. Did they play the anthems and things like that? Yeah, yeah, both anthems. And, yeah, oh, great no, stuff! It was, it was uh, very well done by Rio Tinto. We were in Weeper oh, a long time ago. I, I don't know, two thousand and something, seven or four or something like that. But um, I remember it fondly. We were just there at the little, uh, just just on the bay. There It was beautiful. It was a lovely, lovely spot. Roddy, what do you, what do you do there? Uh, we do earthworks on a mine site. Uh-huh. We're out of, t- out of town. We sort of can't get into town, but, yeah, it's uh, not a bad spot to work. No, and what do you do? You're a uh, driver grader or something? or? Oh, no, we uh, do structures, put in pipeworks and headwalls and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And you, you f- fly in, fly out, do you, Rod? Yeah, mate, yeah. Where's home for you? Uh, Tamworth. Oh, wow. So what's your fly in, fly out routine? Uh, do three weeks on, one off. I see. And you like that? Yeah, good living. How long you been doing that? Uh, about 10 years. Uh-huh. So you'd yeah. be happy to get out. Gee, Tam, we were in Tamworth this year, and by gee, it was a hot one. Oh, it was hot in Tamworth this year. It was a stinker. Country music. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was hotter than I'd ever known it uh, for Tamworth. I mean, Tamworth, it's always, you know, it's summer, so you expect it to be hot, but it was a real stinker. About 38, 39 every day. Yes, it gets hot out there. Yeah, it can be. I haven't noticed it like I have, um, like I did this year. But anyway, um, Roddy, nice to talk to you. I would love to hear the... the, Isn't that... That's lovely. That's really the Australian sort of, you know, make do. You know, the axle breaks, so you cut down a sapling and make an axle out of the sapling and away you go. And it sounded unreal. I bet it did. I bet it did. Silence and the violin drifting through the pandanus. Unbelievable. Good stuff. Good on you, Rod. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. See ya. Bye.